Hi everyone, and welcome to episode 5 of the Race Sim Central podcast, where simmers grizzle sit in something in a room and talk darkness or whatever. I'm John Denton, and today with me I once again have Big Sime Crofto and Tim the Governor Wheatley. How's it going, Tim? Good, thanks. Um, at the time of recording, things are a little bit crazy, but um, yeah, uh, there's various things going on with the website, like uh, just basically just posting a single news item on Rentsport created a fair amount of uh, drama. Um, but yeah, other than that, things are kind of sailing along as normal. Sailing along. Simon, how are you doing? I'm alright, thank you. I sort of currently aren't unwell with any particular ailment and I've, <laughs> I've, I've done some simming so makes yeah it, makes a change I'm, we've we've uh, delayed fronts, yeah. yeah we've delayed for about a month because I, one of us was ill or you know something else was going on or starfield came out or something like that so yeah, i think that um, finally finally we've got going again and hopefully there's still going to be some listeners out there um so uh you said you've been simming simon what have you been saying? I, I have. Well, I mean, so the first step was actually like clearing all the pile of rubbish off my rig so I could actually sit down. And then I um, was reminded of the joys of PC gaming as I just had to jump through many hoops to get certain things working from the headset to you and I had a, a go online. It took us about an hour to get that working. Um, yeah, yeah, port, port forwarding um, yeah, for a set of right? Yeah. Yeah, and um, yeah. So the uh, basically, I've been we we had to go in a set, a set of course. So I've been driving that a bit, and then the the main development for me was you very kindly sent me an old shifter. I think possibly prompted by our discussion in the last one about cheating and hardware limitations coming yeah. up. So uh, that that's been yeah, it, it's a new revelation for me of a kind of hard to think how to go back once you've got it it did require a bit of a screwdriver and solder and iron to get it working properly as our online session um descended into complete farce for multiple reasons <laughs> but um, it had been in a box in the corner of my uh, loft for probably 10 years at least or I, I, I upgraded from that shifter is the act labs shifter tim you may remember the old oh, act wow. labs uh, wheel and pedal set it was, I think, the first set that came with three pedals and a shifter all bundled in. Um, yeah. And this was back a long time ago. And I, I bought that set specifically for that reason, because, you know, you're going to drive, you've got to drive properly. Um, so we talked about getting together to drive a uh, like classic Porsche. And, of course, Simon wasn't allowed to do that without a shifter. So I sent this over to him. Nice. <laughs> However, in the third, right away, we realized that, uh, what was it, third gear didn't engage, did it? No, third third gear wouldn't stay engaged. Right. So you well, just drive quite, along, and then the revs. That's quite just a realistic fly. simulation, then, right? <laughs> and and the, and the thing as well is, is um, as we realised that Karen, he has four gears, so losing a gear is really quite important. Yeah, quite um, a big more, uh, more so big than impact. ever. There's been yeah. a lot of low end torque from the turbo, but yeah, we yeah. drove we drove the Porsche nine three five. What's it called? Moby Dick, long yeah, tail. Which, crazy car yeah like so john you suggested this car is like something of a why not this so i was like yeah sure it's a, a curio I, a curio yeah and i think i'd certainly not taken it out before and um i took it out for a go and i was actually out for a walk around near my house where i was messaging you saying yeah i got out in it i was like it's 
it's interesting, it's quite feisty. I said, it's, it's really hard in the slow speed stuff though. And then it was actually during this walk, I looked up on Wikipedia to find out it doesn't have a diff, which Solid explains, wrestle, yeah, yeah it's, it was designed specifically really for Le Mans. So as I was trying to navigate the chicanes of Barcelona and stuff, it was like, yeah, it's quite a challenge. But. It, was, it was really interesting, the challenge that having the solid rear axle brought, I thought, uh, in the sense that you would, uh, you'd have corners where you would think that, say, um, third gear is the right gear, um, but because the, the, the locked rear axle was pushing too much in third, um, based on the rev range, it would you would understeer too much, so you'd actually want to go down into second, bring the revs right up, which would actually then speed up that rear axle and cause the you know the back end to to rotate much better. Um, it was crazy because you know the, then you're changing up to third the Im- immediately as you exit the corner or something like that. But uh, it's quite interesting. I think Assetto Corsa has a wide range of curios like this um, cars that aren't available really in in any other sim cars that aren't necessarily that good for sort of sim racing as it were i think you know when you when you look at i racing for instance there's a lot of focus in i racing on conducive online racing uh, you know what's going to what's going to give us a good um, series and what's going to um, bring people in and keep people racing and you know like it means that you won't necessarily find something like a Porsche 935 Moby Dick because... Um, I think the, a- the AT list screams passion rather than necessarily yeah, great in a sense for and, what's going to I think it's great. There's some great cars in there that, that as you say, they scream passion. Like, you know, Alpha 33 Stradale and um, Maserati 250F. Lotus, the Lotus 25 is just sublime. But I don't know if I'd want to race it. I mean, this is the thing I find, you know, that you race something that's that sort of tricky or difficult to drive, then you have to practice every day to keep yourself in point on something like that. So just just, just thinking about that a little bit, what do you guys think are the passion cars that are in iRacing just because somebody really loves them and wanted them there? Probably the Lotus 49? Lotus 49, Lotus 79, Nissan ZX-T, Audi 90 GTO. Haven't they brought like an old NASCAR in as well? There's a group. Yes. There's four yes, old NASCARs, true. which I believe Dale Earnhardt Jr. Is, is, was involved in funding for those. I think. Yeah. Um, so the, there's four now: Pontiac, uh, Chevrolet, yeah. the whole lot, basically. Which I think is yeah, great as well. Yeah, they're some of the most popular cars on the series. It seems yeah, like. Yeah. I, I, when I'm scrolling through uh, uh, Twitter, I see more posts on on them than, than the modern cars by a long, long way. I was tempted um, yeah, to he... buy one because um, they do one round at Watkins Glen, of course. Usually, it's not on every okay. every season. I thought I'd buy it, but because I, my oval license isn't good enough, I'm still not allowed to join the road race. It's a bit strange oh, yeah. that I would have thought that I should be able to turn up as a road ringer um, for Watkins Glen. But yeah, it's it's interesting that they haven't tackled that yet with their with the licensing system. Um, where you could be the road ringer, which is a real life thing in NASCAR. Mm. I think it's a well. I would say it's a bit of a limitation, but it's not necessarily because uh, I can't remember. Oh yeah, yeah. I've raced in the IndyCar series, which when when it was officially called that, anyway. Um, and you had oval, both oval and uh, road races, and I could compete in the road races. I was only allowed to do practice for the oval races, so. 
it should be similar, but I guess hmm. probably something about um, database configuration. Um, but yeah, ultimately, uh, I saw a video from Matt Malone uh, streaming, uh, driving those cars. I think he was at Daytona Road Course, and they have they all have drum brakes. Um, so like they <laughs> obviously got a pretty hefty chunk of horsepower, and they arrive at turn yeah. one for Daytona Road Course, and you have to brake like months before you've seen the corner. Um, right. Entertaining stuff. Yeah. So yes, I, I I think I kind of brought up in in the past. Like, I, if I was to to make my kind of dream sim, I would go for like kind of ninety four and stuff like that. And the differences between eighty seven and ninety four aren't that massive. So I'm pretty pleased that um, you know something historic from NASCAR has actually got in there. Yeah, I mean, I think something historic at all. I mean, there's there's a lot of there's often a post in the iRacing forums about getting like a nineteen nineties champ car um car into the service and i don't know whether that would circum circumvent the indycar uh license work on the basis that it would be champ car uh but i don't know i don't know how that works but at the end of the day i, I think there is i mean i think it's difficult to say because i think you get a lot of people asking about it a lot of glamour for it uh but then when the car comes out or is a real thing um people realize how hard it is to drive I mean, this, this season there's been a big release. So if we sort of move on to what I've been seeing, I've been there's there was the big release of a lot of new cars in iRacing. Um, when was it September? And um, I've been driving the Super Formula car, um, which obviously the premier single seat series in, from Japan. And these are the fastest cars in the world, aside from Formula One cars, basically. So they lap circuit like Suzuka. Four seconds off the pace. Um, four four seconds off the pace of the back of the F one grid. I would say because uh, because okay. Verstappen's two seconds ahead of that. But um, you know, he's also kind of one second ahead of second place. But um, yeah, basically they're pretty quick um, and challenging, and they've got a lot of horsepower and very little weight. Um, it's not an overly complicated car, unlike say the. Um, you know, hybrids and things like that. It doesn't have uh, a great deal of um, stuff to have to configure from an electronics perspective. Um, it's much more basic on the chassis setup. Um, is it aerodynamically more simple as well? Oh, it will be than an F1 car because everything is, but I mean, is it a relatively, is it very peaky or is it a quite simple aero? No, it's a stable, it? it's a stable aero package provided by Delara. So it's a Delara provided car. Um, this was in response to escalating costs in Super Formula in, in the late uh, 2010s, so 20 up to 2019 and so on. The Honda cars were kind of dominating, and there had to be there was a push for more uh, parity, so they put engine parity in place. I think um, that's slowly changing over the years because it limits the point of why the manufacturers bother with it. Um, but the aero kits are identical. And they're a they're a provided kit, and I believe that there's no development on that. Again, I don't know whether that will change in the future. Whether Mugen, for instance, will start, you know, being or at least petitioning the governing body to be able to develop it. But from our perspective right now, you've got a fixed body kit, you've got a front wing and a rear wing, um, and actually relatively limited um, movement within them, um, as in you know the amount of uh, the amount of 
adjustments available in, in the wing setup. Um, and to be fair, nearly every circuit you you know other than it's, it's in much the same way you would with Formula One now. Nearly every circuit other than Monza is you're running max downforce or, or something near it. Um, they have stock gearboxes as well. You can't change the gear ratios. Um, so obviously, as you go from circuit to circuit, this simplifies the setup or the, the changes because you are generally running max wings, generally obviously running the same gear ratios because you've got no choice. Um, but my point really is that this is new series, so it's very busy. And it's, and it's great for me to be able to jump in and go, um, you know, oh, whatever time I'm uh, planning to, I can get a race. Whereas comparatively in, say, the Lotus 79, Lotus 49, or the other historic cars, um, you have to, they, you know, there are specific times when everybody's getting together. And that's the time when you see uh, population on the servers. Whereas, you know, if you want to just jump on on a Thursday night and get a Lotus 79 race, you're not going to get one. You have to get on when everybody's on. And the whole the whole, uh, the whole whole audience around the Lotus 79 is like 100, 120 people at most. And, and on average, the most people you see turning up for a race will be maybe 60 people. Um, so the comparison is, is stark that now practically any time of the day there are populated servers running the super formula um what i'll be intrigued to see is where that sits in six months time because it's not it's not such an easy car to drive like a couple of the races i've done you see a lot of people like certainly spinning off in the early laps it takes the tires are, are very um uh tough so it takes maybe well, certainly on some tracks can take up to three laps to be up to temperature, sort of carcass temperature, that is. And so you see a lot of people spinning off in those early laps, for instance, when the tyres aren't up to temperature. Can um, you then push them quite hard after that, though? Yeah, yeah, I'd say you right. can. Yeah, yeah, um, in quite a gratifying way, even when the track temperature is very hot, which is, again, rare for me in iRacing, I think, you know, whereas other cars I've experienced, you know, the track temperature can be really hot and you really really limits how much you can push the tyre because it, it brings um, that sort of uh, the edge of uh, adhesion becomes very much very very slight um, these tyres seem to be a lot of, a lot better I, th I feel like um, and I felt similar I drove the new IMSA Porsche 963 I feel like uh, some of these newer cars coming to the service obviously have a lot more quite specific tyre data coming in um, that they're being that they're able to take from the from the car manufacturers or the, the people running the cars, um, and compare compared to something like a Lotus Seventy Nine, which doesn't have that tire data, where they're sort of a bit more finger in the air with how how the tire should behave. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. But yeah, as I say, I'm I'm just most I'm mostly interested. It's I think it gets a lot of attention because it's a new car. It gets a lot of attention because it's a very fast car. Um, but people will inevitably, I think, get frustrated with um, a car if they continue to find it too challenging. So, you know, maybe I'm wrong, and I, I would like to hope I'm wrong that in six months' time it's still going strong, but uh, we'll see. I guess it depends what else comes into service as well as just has... So obviously as a, as a new a new car, as you say, and it's, it's had like a bump in popularity, so you've got a lot of highly kind of captive audience there, but... I guess in six months if something new and shiny comes along people will jump to that 
as opposed to like actually seeing how the popularity sort of more naturally fades and spreads across the rest of the field and stuff. Yeah, I think it's actually brought in quite a big crowd who were racing the Dallara Formula 3 car as well, that have probably been maybe driving that for a year or two and are, are ready for a step up um, in performance. So I know that certainly a lot of people in that in that community have been keen for a faster sinker-seater. What uh, class have they put it into? Like what uh, license uh, class? B, class B. B. Oh, that probably fits, yeah. I okay. think there's a fixed setup series which I think might be class C. I'm not sure. I haven't touched okay. the f- Obviously, you know me, I haven't touched the fixed setup series. Um, but, uh, and I, and I, but like I'm saying that, it's entirely possible that if I look in six months' time and find that the, uh, the open setup series isn't getting quite as much population, I might find that the fixed setup series is still quite well populated. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I've been experimenting with setup a fair bit. I guess I've done. I don't know about twelve hundred kilometers in the car now, and it's not—it's not hugely complicated because you have. I think when you're not having to work with gear ratios so much, and there's not there's no like adjustment of things like steering ratio, and it's it's. I think kind of once you've found a setup that you're fairly comfortable with, it's probably going to work across most circuits um, with with minor changes, you know. That sounds like my kind of setup adjustments. <laughs> I mean, the the way I see it, you can sort of adjust the car to exert its maximum downforce capability by running it low and um, stiff, but that makes the car more difficult to drive. And so you you are working on a trade off of um, stiffness, uh, the the level of stiffness that you as the driver can cope with, if you know what I mean. So I think, okay. and I think that pretty much ties up with the the way they set up the car in in real life you know and the, the way we see in in formula one as well recently with ground effect being so important you know you see the drivers that are able to cope with a um a stiffer and uh, more potentially more pointy car are um, able to exert more pace out of it yeah even within the same team yeah yeah okay and have you been doing any simming tim or has it been starfield non-stop it's pretty much been Starfield, e- <laughs> even though we've had a huge delay on when we were going to do this, and I intended to do like laps in a car that you guys were planning to do laps in. We just, yeah, Starfield just kept pulling me back. Starfield have a vehicle in it, like a car. It it doesn't. They specifically designed it without them. It's just uh, spaceships that um, kind of fly around via the mouse on on PC. Um, you basically are following the gun target, you know, with your mouse, and uh, it kind of similar to Freelancer in a way, if you ever played that. And then, um, yeah, it, it's it's just a way to get from one loaded area to another loaded area. Um, <laughs> you so, make yeah. it you make it sound so engaging. <laughs> yeah, the, it is strange, really, in a way, because it is the future, and you would have thought that you're you'd load a load a quad bike into the back of your truck for your your ship for when you want to go bouncing along that moon or whatever but yeah there's i mean it's it's you do have ways to kind of navigate pretty quickly you can kind of um do like real astronauts do kind of the moon bounces with their you know with their legs and stuff You, you can kind of time it right where you where you can do those to go faster than you can run and stuff like that but you know if 
if you want to explore around a planet, you, you basically can get back to your ship pretty quick and just move to a different next door to where you were pretty much on the uh, planetary map and stuff. So, yeah, it's all good. Okay, so um, I believe you had a topic for us this 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 week, this month, this episode. Um, yeah, Tim. I it's 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 an interesting one because I mean I myself can see both sides of it. You know, I can see the need for it and the way that it annoys me at the, at the same time. Um, you know, I I uh, can see that it's never been done perfectly right uh, no matter how much money is thrown at it and um you know it, it, it's been done wrong a lot um and it is esports um it's something that uh yeah like i said i can definitely see the need for there is um there's 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 sponsors out there there's people that want to hold events um i think the the you know, kind of bringing up Rensport, I think the way that that was done was great. You know, it, it, it kind of um, exposed it to an audience. You have a lot of esports teams that have come in that were historically kind of first person shooter teams um, that have come in and actually have, um, you know, uh, racing teams, which is, which is great. That was really interesting, but obviously they're there for the money you know um and Can I just uh, check is it is it the money is it money that makes something an e-sport as opposed to not no i think it's more about like it being broadcast as a competition but money certainly helps isn't okay. would you not say i mean it's difficult to say because i mean i've been in leagues where if you won the league you got a trophy but you didn't get any money um, and I would have never thought of that as an eSport. Um, I mean, I would say it's about broadcast and about people watching in a way, but I mean, actually, technically speaking, a sport is just doing something. So if you're going up the park to play footy with the kids, you're doing sports. So in theory, eSports is just racing in sims at all. Um, but yeah. like the, I guess we're talking competitive eSports, you know, broadcasts, audiences you know like one of the points you were making earlier Tim is you know there's you can see that it should exist blah 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 what you didn't say is that there are people that want to watch it um, and that's the big question mark I have around it really that's the big thing is that like again if you look at Rensport um, the viewing figures early on were really really high and I watched it too and I didn't watch it for the esports I watched it to get a look at Rensport Right, um, which a lot of people would have done. Yeah, I, I, I think that's where the big numbers came from. What and was the viewing platform? Is this Twitch or something? Sorry, YouTube? It, or? it, it was on everything, yeah. Right. You, you, you could see um, like each, each team um, broadcasting and then obviously official channels and things as well. But, um, but was, yeah, it wasn't, when, when wasn't are we on talking BBC here? Two, Simon. No, no, no. <laughs> when, are we, when are we talking here then, Tim? Are we talking 20, 20, 
Oh yeah, they've they've been doing this for about a year now, I think. Right. Um, yeah, with their official races and stuff, um, but they're actually still running races right now. I think they actually had one even last weekend, perhaps. Um, it was a bit of but, a crash fest, if I recall. But yeah, like I noticed that the viewing figures are down. Everything is down. I think it'll be up next time because there's obviously a little bit of controversy around the sim right now. Um, but I. Th- like the only reason that I watched was to get a look at the um, the sim, and that's not to say that that the that the racing was bad, that it looked bad, that the presentation was bad, like anything like that. I I think everything that they did was was great, um, and I think that they made the sim look as good as it could. But obviously, when you when you watched it, it it gave a realistic impression. To someone who's educated on sim racing of, of, of the state that the sim was actually in um, and uh, I, I honestly think that's why most people watched when you say that you mean in a kind of warts and all way yeah there was um, I think you can kind of tell that the, that the car isn't connected to the road in a very nice way it kind of um, it looks like there's a layer of jelly between the tire and the track um you know and it and it doesn't um based on what you could really easily see even from the first event it it, the driver import didn't look um like there wasn't a layer of jelly between the steering imports and what was actually (laughs) happening too um so you're talking you're talking car behavior here not just graphical fidelity or whatever else yeah and i i um I actually posted a news post like right after their first uh, event because I was solidly impressed. You know, I they they put on an event. They were able to host servers, whether it was done locally or over the internet or whatever. The fact is, is that they were able to do it. Um, there were relatively few issues with the software that affected the event, um, and as far as the event is concerned, it was totally successful. Um, but uh, you know, at the same time, I just wonder what it does for anybody. You know, does it? Uh, if a sponsor is coming in, are they getting their money back on this? Is this, um, you know, someone who, like, I, I, I would even wonder if someone's even thought about doing stuff like this as a tax write-off. You know, um, but it's uh, I, I kind of wonder who it's actually successful for other than the the team that wins taking some money away with them um, because the be question about aren't there. there's got to be a question about sustainability here as well mm-hmm. yeah. you can launch something and get a bum you know a bit like you know whether we're talking about a new car and I racing or whatever but I don't know are people going to be watching this in the year's time two years time three years time it sounds like it's already tailed off well so one question Tim when you say in the early stuff the viewing figures were good I mean what were what what was what is that good how many are we talking approximately oh there was um, as far as I can remember there was like over 10,000 and stuff like that like the 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 getting they were getting decent numbers but if you looked at um, any of the finals on like iRacing and stuff like that, which is kind of less publicized in yeah. a, in a strange in a way, yeah. as as an you know esports thing, e- even though it completely is. 
um, you know, they they do just as well. So I, yeah. I don't really feel like... Well, so, so what I feel is that that 10,000 people mostly watching are probably other sim racers, right? Is there mm-hmm. anything you can imagine that... Oh, but can you imagine why somebody who is not a sim racer is going to watch one of these races? It's going to have to be support of the esports team. I think that really would be. But why? Why would? Oh, you mean because they might support a the first person shooter team? Yeah, there's there's a one that you know is the main one is is uh, called uh, um, I think it's Phase Clan. Um, You know, they're a pretty big uh, esports organization. And are they playing CS:GO? Uh, I don't actually recall which which first person. Okay, okay. Or, well, or, I mean, just, yeah. I've just been I've just brought up some quick numbers, and CS:GO, for instance, which was second place in 2022's esports charts, um, peak viewers was 2.2 million. Yeah. Total hours watched um, over the year 2022 was 448 million. I don't see any. You know, like iRacing or Rensport or any of the others, I don't see any any sim race any sim racing events, you know, even approaching these numbers, right? So the question to me is, well, for one thing, why would anybody who's not currently a sim racer watch it? You know, like I've what I've watched iRacing live broadcast races, um, sometimes because people I know are in them, but other times just because you know I'm board and flicking around YouTube um, but I'm a sim racer I if I my dad watches motorsport if I asked him to I sent him a race an iRacing race on YouTube and was like oh this is great you should watch this he would use several swear words whilst telling me exactly why he's not going to um, but you know he will watch um, he's watched Formula 1 religiously all of his life whatever but you know I, I think there's a disconnect, and this this is something we've I know we talked about privately, but basically, when a video game is replicating something in real life, be it motor racing or football or cricket or whatever, um, baseball perhaps I think the MLB game does esports stuff actually, doesn't it? Um, the viewer numbers, you know, the people that watch the the meat meat sports version of that look at the the esports version like some sort of joke right and you know i don't necessarily agree with them on that front you know they'll say well what are they doing you know but nobody knows when they're watching um an racing broadcast that somebody might have a direct drive wheel and a, like replicating it you know a point somebody actually uh, an f1 journalist i know raised to me was that like actually in in sim racing at least they're doing the same thing they're turning a steering wheel and they're pushing pedals which is the same as what the race drivers are doing in real life uh, notwithstanding various exploits that we covered in uh, last episode um, whereas if you watch FIFA and a FIFA esports tournament they're not kicking a ball around they're, they're using a gamepad and so you know the, the wider world looks at this and goes well why am I going to watch somebody play a video game right and you know, I understand why they say that, and I know that what draws me to watch it is mostly the fact that I understand the experience of doing it. I know what's involved in doing it. I know how challenging it can be. Um, I don't think like my dad has the slightest idea 
and he's not interested in finding out you know and i know that he's old but equivalent i could say my nephew who is young he did he wouldn't he would have the same response basically he's not really that into video games but sure he's 24 years old um and wouldn't wouldn't watch um online races unless maybe i was in it yeah, I mean, I've 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 just brought up some figures, and it's it's actually a little bit worse than I thought. I, it was probably better last year, um, but uh, of the last uh, kind of six six rounds, um, the first round, which was um, earlier this this year, um, had five thousand two hundred peak viewers. Um, the highest round, which was round two, seven thousand four hundred and seventy peak viewers. Yeah. Um, so, and then it's, it's basically tailed off since there's been less and less and less, um, up to round six. And you know, there, there are, there are YouTubers I, I follow that, uh, do live stream, like YouTubers around say, uh, um, talking about movies and they do a live stream where there's a few of them talking about movies that will get way more viewers than that sort of thing. Just so, I mean, going back to your question, John, of like, who would watch this or why or whatever, as someone who likes real motorsport and as someone who likes simming enough to be sat here recording a podcast about it, you know, so I'm, I'm reasonably interested. I think I've watched one live race. You know, I'll, I'll happily watch, you know, you, you stick up a YouTube video of you doing some laps or a race or something, I'll, I'll watch that. I watch various videos and stuff. But in terms of actually, like, watching a stream or kind of a, a competitive thing, I watched one, which I think is definitely answers the like why did i watch it because it was during covid it was when there was no real racing happening and it yeah. was when there was a, a it was the a race i think it was like historic f1 around monaco and alonso was involved yeah they that's, brought in, that's they what brought it took to get me to mm. actually watch this and i think i watched it for about five minutes and basically thought this this is shit. I am yeah. not watching this <laughs> because it might be someone I really like in real life and respect and know can drive. It was quite apparent from watching thirty seconds of it that these guys aren't taking this seriously. You know, they're mm. not driving this like yeah. it's real. They're not a, a treating it with that kind of level of respect. And frankly, I just I just could not care less about watching other people racing in a sim. And the the thing is, is that. When it comes to who watches, I think it, it's it's an in, it occupies an interesting spot when it comes to kind of e simming in esports, because if you look at like big, big esports, you're talking things like um, Counter Strike, Dota Two, League, League of Legends, League of Legends yeah. Fortnite, um, Starcraft, Mobile Legends, Bang Bang, and whatever the others are. <laughs> And there's a few things with that. Is Dota that 2. Don't FIFA, I think I said that one, but there's FIFA as well. And the thing is, is that things like Fortnite, Dota, League of Legends, and probably quite quite a lot of the others, all, all have in common is actually they're, they're, so they're free to play and they're massively popular. Like they have massive player bases yeah. as well. And, and I reckon a lot of the people who enjoy watching Fortnite on Twitch or YouTube or whatever are people who play it and yeah. are basically watching someone be far better than them at it or watching people at the pinnacle of this thing that they do you have something like FIFA which is certainly not free to play but it shifts 
millions and millions of units every year because it's you know Football. arguably the best version of the most popular sport in the world you have lots of I, I mean some people probably watch some fifa tournament or streams who just like football but a lot of them are fifa players and there's a massive player base when it comes to simming you've got a lot of people in who are interested in real world racing simming itself is relatively niche are people who are interested in real world racing and not simming gonna be interested in watching a sim unless it's covid and there's no racing and you're you're um your your uh, hypothetical conversation with your dad, I imagine, is quite indicative of hypothetical conversations with a lot of people. Yeah, I, I I honestly think it comes down to you know how people are actually interested in racing and and racing games. I mean, I, Formula One, for example, is and always has been a, a niche sport. If you compare it to like football, you know, it's 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 you know always been like a specific audience you would have people that would dip in and dip out you know for for a race during the season you might have you know nice worldwide viewing figures and 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 things like that but it's very dependent on what's happening with the sport um you know like like obviously if there's a period of dominance or you know yeah. whatever it, it it can turn people off um whereas with football um doesn't really happen like you, you you still get people showing up to games you still get people watching the games um it uh yeah it, it kind of just keeps rolling on regardless and um it, it doesn't feel like that happens with motorsports as much and in 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 fact right now if you look at indycar and nascar there's there's like they've had a little bit of a uh, resurgence with a little bit of schedule changes and you know car changes and things like that but it's 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 been on a downward trend since you know the early 2000s and um i think that carries over to um you know who's playing racing games like if you look at sales figures and things for forza or 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 for gran turismo very successful in terms of sales but if you actually look at how many people are playing them once they've been released and once everybody's bought them and stuff like that it, it seems like it's a way lower percentage that will buy buy a racing game and keep playing a racing game versus buy all, all the types of games and keep playing those games it, it, it just it seems for a lot of people like a racing game is just something to add to their collection um, unless it's Mario Kart yeah that, that's got legs yeah, it does. It does actually. Um, yeah, I, I think um, Gran Turismo is a good example, though, in that sense, because it's big when it comes out. It will sell mm -hmm. a lot, and there will be a lot of people playing it concurrently for that first six months. And now, if yeah. you look at GT Seven, I guess it's nearly eighteen months old now, and there will still be, you know, fairly full servers of people playing it. But you'll probably find yourself bumping into the same names a little bit more often. Um, Haven't they just announced their shutter in the servers for that? Or, or some I, I some GT that. servers. Have That's been... for GT Sport. Oh, okay. oh, okay, which is the 2014 game, I think. Yeah. Um, Probably fair enough. Then. I thought I thought they'd already <laughs> shuttered that, to be honest. But yeah, the um, the, I mean, this applies to a great deal of games. A lot of people, the way they play video games is to you know buy a new game every month or whatever, whatever the big title coming out is, and you know play that, and then they move on to the next thing. Um, 
and I think uh, Gran Turismo fits into that bracket for a lot of people there's a lot of people I've spoken to in the last year who are like oh it's great to play Gran Turismo I haven't played a racing game in years sort of thing and they will be the same for Forza Motorsport and things like that which are obviously the bigger ones um, and I think but I think uh, when you look at the games, the big games, esports-wise, I mean, um, stuff like League of Legends or Dota 2 and Counter-Strike. I mean, Counter-Strike's been around for so long. Um, th- there are, I think, what happens with those types of games is they're the sort of games that there will be people that play and they don't play really any other games. This is their game. Like people will be with World of Warcraft, or people will be. A lot of people are with iRacing, to be honest. You know, I see a lot of people on the iRacing forums who are like, "Well, you know, I don't play any other games. The only reason I have a PC is to do iRacing." And you know, fair enough. Um, and you can reflect in that that to be at a level of competency um, in iRacing or any other sim requires a lot of practice, a lot of time. So you may not have time to play other video games. Um, but yeah, I mean. My point from earlier, really, is that I think that the in in the longer term, the games that have the best chance of becoming uh, truly popular to a to a larger audience um, are are not games that are trying to replicate existing real world sports. Um, games like League of Legends or Counter Strike, they, they are essentially inventing new sports as they go, and their popularity that is massive now based around massive player bases may well maintain in in 20 30 years time you might find somebody who's 50 years old and still watches league of legends online um tournaments the you know the world cup once a year because they played it when they were 20. yeah it's 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 interesting i, I mean if you think about that though like if you look at Trackmania, um that's a you know that's obviously a fictional setting racing hot, game. hot wheels right you know, loops uh, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So they they have um, had esports tournaments and stuff like that. It's it's been successful. It's worked. There's been no issues with the software. Like you can't kind of you know blame viewing figures on the fact that they you know had software crashes or anything like that kind of going on. So it's it's it. Um, when I'm saying successful, I mean that the viewing figures are what they should have been basically, and um, they weren't anything still compared to a lot of other genres of game and I just I I don't honestly think racing fits esports um and I it's painful to say that but I just think we are this little niche area as as fans of racing uh, you know fans of racing games and stuff and it, it like the wider viewing audience just isn't there if you look at the thing as well, is if if you know there's there's a reason why say esports cricket isn't a big thing, you know that it, it there's certain sports or games or whatever that by their by their very nature just don't work, and if you think about you know if you if you look at the things that are successful, I mean a, a Counter Strike game lasts a few minutes, yeah. you know, and it's like bang 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 round 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 knockout tournaments etc I, I don't I haven't watched much of these things but you know I don't imagine a Dota game lasts 45 minutes or something no you again know. it's quite quick I mean the idea of me sitting down to watch 
someone else race 30 laps in anything as someone who's interested in racing interested in cars interested possibly in the title it's like no offense to review two but if you said oh, i'm racing tonight do you want to watch i'd be like no not <laughs> at all Cheers, yeah it's i i am someone that like <clears throat> like i watch twitch i watch youtube i actually watch people playing games and um i I, I do watch people playing racing games and stuff like that. And the reason for it that I figured out is that I watch people who are doing something that I can't do. And there's a multiple, multiple reasons why I can't do it. The first one is time. Um, if I don't have time to play a game with a big storyline in it, I will watch a Twitch streamer go through the entire storyline of, of, of that game and I don't have to buy it. Um, you know, and uh, that's 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 great. And with a um, with certain racing games and and stuff like that, like there's a, there's a streamer on Twitch who's called Stephen Bailey that he's just recently been going through every single racing game that that uh, um, um, every single rally game that he can find. Um, and it's been really interesting to see the progression in in the software and stuff like that. And I've found that interesting for that reason. And again, it's because I am someone that I, I literally have a system that will run every single racing game ever. I bought like the video cards that had like one racing game supporting them and, 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 and stuff like that. I haven't had the time to go out there and actually spend the time running those games. I've just had the time to go on eBay and be like, OK, that's the card I need and then put it on my shelf. You know, and uh, so it, it's it's there for when I get old and, you know, I can retire and I'm kind of going through my Steam library and my old big box library. But um, but yeah, there's there's multiple reasons why I watch these people. And um, like with first person shooters and stuff like that, I, I know that I lived a little bit of a sheltered life when I was a kid where um, I basically only played racing games and I, I literally don't have the. I don't know if it's the dexterity in my fingers and you know with the mouse control and everything to be as good at a first person shooter ever as those people that I can watch um and uh you know like there's 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 certain guys that I'll watch that will you know be be kind of playing this and it's it shows a level of skill and I appreciate the skill um and uh that's why as well i might watch someone having a race but you know flipping that around completely um why am i not interested in watching esports i think one of the so if i i i'm like you tim in that i spend some time not a huge amount but i spend some time watching random twitch streams or video game content on youtube and stuff and there's a so I mean it's slight tangent, but I'll bring it back to the kind of question. There's a there's a cha there's a channel on YouTube called Summon in Salt, and what he does is he makes these quite in-depth, forty-five minute long kind of documentary style history of a certain speedrun category or something. It might be here's the here's the history of speedrunning Super Mario Brothers, and it will talk you through the history of who was involved and like how the time came down and down and why that happened so you know how they discovered this trick or this player had the ability to do this thing that no one thought was possible and so on and so forth and I, I you know I've never speedrun Super Mario Brothers I don't 
care, but I find it quite fascinating and interesting in its own way, and I watch it. And what you have is kind of a story, there's a narrative. And if you think about real world racing, imagine F1 every week was just some random people who could drive put in, but there wasn't, there's the story of the championship and everything else. If you're going to watch esports and enjoy it, you probably, unless you happen to have a particularly exciting race, which I, even I, in my cynicism, concede could happen, ultimately you're going to have to commit to the season and care about who these people are and care about right, what's at stake and what's the history and everything. It's kind of like turning on a soap opera halfway through. You're not going to watch it and think, oh, this is amazing. You're just going to think, well, who's that? What are they on about? I don't care. And then when you throw in that, some of the kind of I don't know, shithousery we covered in our cheating conversation where you like you actually think, you know what, I'll give this a go and it's like, oh, they're just taking the piss by running it on the apron or yeah. doing stupid Putting stuff. Putting one wheel on the grass all the yeah, way where, the where it kind of, Yeah, where it kind of, it almost like, I don't mean it's in a kind of sort of melodramatic way, but they're kind of disrespecting the thing you're actually quite passionate about. You sort of think, oh, you don't deserve my time to watch you behaving like this and it just I, I honestly don't think I would have to be paid to watch it and I would have to be and I would have to be paid more than a kind of nominal figure you know like I, I've got just no desire to watch it at all I think um, to me as well and I you know an exciting race I find much less exciting if there is nothing on the line and by that I mean when racing drivers are doing this in real life there is personal risk involved mm. and it's not you know i don't want to see people get hurt or anything like that but the fact of the matter is that when somebody chucks a car up the inside of another car at you know 100 miles an hour that takes a certain amount of you know mental energy that doesn't exist and emotional energy that doesn't necessarily exist in a sim you know, I'm not saying it's easy in a sim, because, you know, I do it enough. Um, but it's just not the same as when you're in a situation, you know, where you can get you can get hurt uh, or, you know, you could um, come together with that driver and both of you get hurt. You know, it's a very different thing. And so when I'm watching it, as opposed to being the person doing it, I don't get as engaged. Whereas when I do see somebody, you know... Um, put in a, a, a great move in a, in a race, in a fast corner or whatever, I've got more sort of awe and respect for that person than I ever would if I, I saw them doing it in a sim. Yeah, I, I kind of, I, I realised years ago that I am drawn to the anticipation of something more than I am the thing. Um, and uh, I find that with racing especially. Like, I, I, I always... Um, when people bring up about F1 being boring and stuff like that, you know, I, I, I always bring up like um, Mansell not passing Senna at Monaco in 1992. That was like my most exciting memory as a, you know, kind of probably um, 12, 13 year old or, um, you know, watching F, F1 was basically nothing happening. Um, you know, and, and uh, I, I think about, you know, like older NASCAR races that I've watched and stuff. There was a, um, championship battle between uh, Tony Stewart and Carl Edwards which came down to the final race basically the one who finished in in front of the other was going to win the championship 
Um, and uh, this was before stages or, or anything else of that nonsense. So it was literally, it was a flag to flag race between those, those two guys. Um, and for the entire race, they were like first and second. Um, nobody else was even in Involved. with a shot. Yeah. Um, and, and they were nose to tail for the entire race. And it was like nothing happened you know, but they were nose to tail, and it you was knew so tense, yeah. they were getting a hundred percent out of those cars, like every single turn, um, and it was the most exciting NASCAR race that I've ever watched. I would also okay. cite the 1998 Japanese Grand Prix in similar terms, but the championship yeah. between Hakkinen and Schumacher, they were both absolutely on it around Suzuka, and everybody else might as well have not turned up, and they yeah. went, they they went out there. And they put on a show between the two of them, and, and it was stunning to watch. But what happened was, you know, Hakkinen led, Hakkinen won the race. Um, take, but like, the you, singer, knew, take you the knew that that was two men at the maximum of their abilities, you know. Take the Singapore GP a few weeks ago. I mean, it, for a start, Red Bull didn't win. But yeah. it wasn't ex it wasn't exciting at the end because they were DRSing past each other ten times in the last five laps. You were watching... Is it going to happen? And in the end, it didn't. But yeah, that didn't right. make it less exciting. Yeah, you know, it I, wasn't. It didn't need it to happen to be exciting. It was the anticipation or the the tension of will it happen? Yeah, I actually made a tweet and said, "Congratulations if you just enjoyed that race. You actually enjoyed an old school F1 race. You know, without DRS having basically any effect whatsoever." Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I actually said to my wife during that, one of these guys is going to bin it, and I don't know which one it will be. And then, sure enough, George Russell binned it on the final lap. I was like, yeah, I knew yeah. one of them would. <laughs> but yeah, that, the the actual point of that, and the the fact that I, you know I realised that anticipation is is the thing. Is like when I'm watching um, a sim race. Um, I don't know. It's like I don't know whether they're too perfect, and I. I mean, everyone's just... had an absolutely obscene amount of track time and practice, yeah. right? Unlike, unlike when you know the F1 circus or NASCAR or whoever turn up at the circuit, they got a couple of hours and then they're into the race. You know, mm -hmm. it's it's not the I same. Do, I do think with um, with with sims in general. And it's obviously something that's improved a huge amount over the years, and it, it's not meaning like throwing out some blanket criticism, but even in the best case, there is a certain lack of fidelity to what you see outside of the car compared to real life. Those slight kind of skittish moments of the car, the tiny little slides and corrections, the, the, the sort of micro twitches and and everything else yeah. that watching a sim car put aside all the things that were kind of discussed up to now including like you correctly raised john about the kind of jeopardy of the whole thing it's not as exciting to watch a simulation car as a real one it, it's it's no. much more muted it's much think, more um, factor two in particular it looks far better from within the car than it does from the outside of the car. Mm. And it's hard yeah, it's, to explain why that is, but it's just it's it, it it is interesting, like bringing that up though, because I mean, in 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 real racing, even if the driver 
was like a, like a sim racer is, where basically they would be capable of breaking at what is essentially exactly the same point, turning in at exactly the same point, and was magically aware of how much grip their tire has. The fact is, is that the wind could be a tenth of a mile an hour different in real life, and then that turn is going to be different for them. Yeah. Whereas in current simulations, it's not like not. Well, that's slowly coming into change, isn't it? You know, like there are some mm -hmm. sims bringing that in, but there are also sims that are, you know, pushing out uh, races online that where that is not the case. You're quite right. Yeah. Yeah, because they they want it to be even for everybody. You know, if the guy in first gets his wind that's slightly different from the guy in second, they. You know they have to make it even one of the things i was thinking about when we were talking about the anticipation of something is you know there's always the anticipation something's going to go wrong with the car as well and that's that's not an issue in sim racing because yeah. they want to make it even for everybody um, we also actually yeah. that's an interesting point as well because another thing that i repeatedly see in sim racing is this this push for fairness and similarity and everything and so mm -hmm. Um, you see, for instance, in series in iRacing, where in the GT3 series there are a bunch of different cars, obviously. Um, and so and it, we, next week comes along, we're at a different circuit, from what I've heard. I don't do the GT3 series. And I think it's the same in GTP now that there are a number of LMH cars. Um, there, were, there are people within the community who will test all of the cars and then come into the forums and say, look, guys, this car is the best for this week. And so instead of having a varied GT3 field you have a whole load of ferraris and then next week we have yeah. a whole load of audis or whatever right um the tendency in sim racing for people to do this this is like in gpl where you know everyone's jumping in the lotus 49 because they'd heard it was the quickest the one of the aspects one of the genuine aspects of intrigue in real world motorsport to me is seeing a driver perform exceptionally in a car that is not capable However, if you have parity, then we all know who the best driver is. We all know who the middling driver is. We know who, all know who the worst driver is because they've all got exactly the same machinery. Now, even with setup differences, you know, it's not going to be exactly the same because people, if you have fixed setup, maybe it's similar. But if even if you look at a series like Formula 2, where in theory everybody's got the same machinery, they don't. They don't have the same engineers. They don't have the same mechanics. You know, the the team that is operating the car is different. Same in IndyCar, and you see different results. Um, and you know, even when you look at because uh, I was thinking about this in GT3 actually earlier. I remember talking um, about this with um, Aris about the uh, Honda GT3 car, the first Honda NSX GT3 car. I think it's had a couple of revisions since, but the first first car. And it, it was in a set of Corsa Competizioni straight out. Um, and I read about this car in Race Car Engineering magazine, and they said that it had a fundamental problem that uh, with cooling, and it would overheat, the front dampers would overheat. And they would, as they overheated, they began to lock up. And so I was talking to, I remember talking to Aris about this, going, this is a really cool thing that we should have in a sim, etc., etc. And he was like, sort of like, yeah, okay, whatever, whatever you meant, okay. But um, it's. Uh, the point I'm trying to say is that when Ben Barnico had signed up to drive that Honda NSX for the season, he didn't get to just go, oh, actually, you know, when... The, I'll take a Ferrari instead. Yeah, it seems like this car's a load of rubbish, actually. So when we get to um, when we get to Silverstone, I don't really want to drive this car, so see you later. 
But that doesn't diminish in the eyes of the the you know the connoisseur watching that series. That doesn't diminish the performances of Ben Barnico when you take into account the restrictions of the machinery he's dealing with. Would you like to see uh, with iRacing then for their fixed series they can do whatever the hell they want. If someone wants to switch cars every week, you know that that could be fine. But for the unfixed, um, how about if they did something like? Um, you know, you can race uh, like three cars over the entire season or two cars over the entire season or something like that. So you can only switch a certain amount of times. I mean, I would say that you nominate... No switching. Yeah, no switching. I would say <laughs> no you, switching. Well, I mean, I'd say that you get a chance, right? You nominate your car for the season and that is the car that you score championship points in. So if you want to drive a Ferrari at Silverstone because it's quicker, fine, but you're not going to get any points towards your championship position. Okay. Um, and I know that there's plenty of people who probably don't care about their championship position, so we'll be happy to still switch about. But the people that do care, and certainly that usually the people that are in the top 20 of uh, Division 1, anyway, are going to care. Um, yeah. Make them choose their car. And they're going to probably then still choose the car that is the best spread across the races, the tracks, but, you know. Yeah, but this. But, but the season might be more interesting because there's going to be a ringer. There's going to be some guy who picked the best car for that one track yep. who then, you know, might make a race interesting for them. And what what's wrong with that, you know? Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I don't, I, I, don't, I don't know how popular this would be or if it would work, but you could also have people, you sign up to the, the league and then you get randomly assigned a car. Whether yeah. then you would just see drastic dropout rates I, <laughs> I don't see, know you'd see but... a lot of dropout. I mean I think my suggestion of championship points would not go down well frankly like people yeah. tend to want the freedom to be able to swap about and choose and you know that I know a lot of sim racers that you know are driving a different car every week anyway or every day potentially um, so you know it, it, being able to jump around and have that flexibility is part of in theory the the joy of um, sim racing but you know and my under my uh, regime, I wouldn't um, permit such wanton flexibility. My my first and best Grand Prix Legends League. There was uh, I I think like two people were allowed to choose the Lotus, and then there was like you know kind of like th three of this, three of this, three of this, um, and uh, yeah the the. The second season, he basically put the people who finished further down in the championship in the fastest cars and stuff like yeah. that. It was great, absolutely great, and it, it it's what led me to um, end up driving the uh, Honda everywhere, you know, because um, I I just enjoyed being fast in in a in a slower car, um, and uh, the the Honda was actually capable of that. But yeah, it was it was so much fun. It was a great um, you know kind of variation every single race weekend it was it was so different from the weekend before and you didn't right. ha necessarily have the best guys driving the fastest car no no yeah. so it was really really good go go it's going back aside in the conversation now you, you you think about that and that that experience but also that attitude would just never sit in esports no yeah because they're in it they're in it for the money well, yeah. or it, it's or, or or whatever it is, but it's basically about winning. Mm -hmm. It's not about enjoyment or simulating something where it's not you winning. Yeah, you know, and that's one of the, you know, you you think, and again, this kind of can go across other genres. You know, the number of 
I've never played the game, never had any interest in it, but you know, championship manager, foot, old football manager title, it was a proper kind of cult phenomenon, certainly in the UK 20 years ago, whatever. And Still people would basically, probably, yeah. people would pick like their real crap local team and try and take them up through the ranks and stuff. And it's not just about saying, right, I'm going to be Real Madrid or I'm going to be Barcelona or I'm going to be Man City yeah. and I'm just going to win because I've start with the best team. It's about being the underdog and like the experience of trying to succeed against the odds. Yeah. Like you say, you can take the Honda out and you're not necessarily expecting to win every race. It might not literally be possible to win, but it's about actually how in this role of I am in this car, what's the best I can do? It's a very different experience and that's one of the great things that sims can offer as an experience and i think esports just takes that out and just just very quick on this as well going back to like the conversation we're talking about cars included perhaps as like a passion project i think that's the thing with for me with esports is that in a sense although it's possibly the highest possible stakes it's almost like the the coldest form of simming it's not about passion and love for the content or the subject it's about winning and I think that's the antithesis of why I sim. And so maybe that's why I've just got zero interest in it at all. And, you know, you could quite easily argue that a GT3 sim right now is is literally the least passionate project that you could push out of the door as a, as a studio. Um, because, you know, you basically, uh, it's a safe bet, you know. Um, but at the same time, a lot of sim racers will see a GT3 sim. They're like, "Oh, you know, it's another GT3 sim." But the but the, the thing that you were talking about, where it's like, you know, that um, you know that these people do um, obviously do this to win, and you know that comes with the money and stuff like that. Um, there is no reason why an esports competition couldn't use a ten-year-old sim if they could get you know permission from the developer or kind of whatever for it. But they, um, and the fact that with Rensport, basically they built the sim as kind of an esports thing first, you know, like b before they even released a version t to the public, <clears throat> like at all, um, they'd already had their first esports event. And um, obviously, you know, you can see from, from the footage, like it wasn't a good, enjoyable thing to drive, but all of the teams are still there, all of, all of the drivers are still there because they're there to win, they're not there to have fun. I mean, you can say, oh, no, uh, another GT3 title, but if that's mm -hmm. a title that's the title for esports, they're going to be driving it, even if they absolutely hate the content yeah. and yeah, the title. Exactly. But, but yeah, that's, that kind of leads into something that I wanted to touch on, to, or, or to make sure that we touch on is when um because esports events can, can go bad you know like that that's the thing with this whole Rensport thing is that i think that the sim itself is struggling um to be a you know kind of a totally positive experience but um the event was done perfectly you know the 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 viewership figures are still lower for the reasons that we've obviously discussed but everything that that, that the esl did seems to have been done in a really positive way um you know they had good good presenters good commentary good good you know footage of the sim they were able to you know cover what each driver was doing cover the storyline of the race um everything like that and um you know that was done really really well and then if you contrast that i don't know if you guys remember when formula e did an event with r factor 2 
um, but it was yeah, yeah. yeah, but it was pretty badly messed up. I, I actually think there's a couple of things that were messed up that aren't even public that were messed up yet. But um, <laughs> the uh, have to wait for your memoirs, Tim. Yeah, yeah, that'll be in there. Um, but what was uh, what was ultimately frustrating uh, as someone that worked for the stu- for the studio that made R Factor Two at, at at that point was that um, Formula E basically uh, set up this event with a uh, a third party um, who then just basically licensed R Factor Two um, and then announced that they were going to do it. So that so the developer had nothing to do with it and. Um, they'd used a mod that had problems. So, um, you know, and in a large way, because they ended up having to, the sim then with the mod problems affected the race. It then affected the whole event. And, um, you know, it affected the event in ways that aren't public either. Um, But yeah, it kind of, it's interesting to see that it doesn't seem to make a difference whether something goes right or wrong, um, you're going to get the viewership when either people just want to see the sim, um, or there's some kind of like drama that isn't even the racing. Because that was the thing with the R Factor Two event with with Formula E, is that it got massive viewing figures. It got like coverage across multiple different websites and stuff like that. And it basically only got that because it messed up. Well, the only one I've heard of recently was the one where Verstappen had a big hissy fix. It didn't work out. That was in R Factor 2, I think. And it's like, yeah. you know, that, yeah, that's, exactly. that's basically what yeah, I've heard. In that was... In a, yeah. was it? No, okay. he, he now... also had one with R Factor 2 where ah, okay. he uninstalled it while that he was, was on screen. That was Le Mans, though, wasn't it? That was the Le Mans 24 yeah. hours, and that... it was a problem. Publicly uninstalled it, but more recently Verstappen had a... Uh, Right. Uh, an exciting time um, where he took somebody out deliberately and things like that, which you know, do, yeah, I, you was... know, I, you know, sure tempers run and whatever, but basically it doesn't really shine well on esports as a whole uh, when somebody of literally the highest profile person in all of motorsports is doing that. It's great and, and to have the highest profile person in all of motorsports doing esports. I think that's great, yeah. but then to have them then basically make it look stupid is is not good yeah and I, I mean as far as the sponsors concerned they probably don't care about that you know they they get their viewing figures or whatever metric they were in it for and and they're probably perfectly happy but the thing is that as a developer that's awful you know it's 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 something that you're going to hear about from every single fan of every other sim because of, of the tribalism that we yeah. have in um, you know, sim racing. That's um, you know, Verstappen having that issue is going to be something that every i racer is going to bring up for years, Ever. and and you know, <laughs> so it it, it, um... it might make people want to watch. It doesn't make people want to buy the product. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, that's the thing. Those the Bernie Eccleston thing, isn't it? Any pop- any publicity is good publicity. You know, that's all yeah. argument. Just doesn't feel like it. Yeah. <laughs> Another point you were saying about GT3 being an easy win, it's it's an interesting one because there is the sense that, yes, apparently it's it's that perfect balance of it's not too slow, it's not too fast, and like most people seem to be able to drive it well enough, you know, and then it's also got this um, easy to easy to do, difficult to master thing going on. Um, but the 
when you put GT3 into your brand new sim, you're immediately giving a direct direct line of comparison with every other sim that already exists. Um, and you know, if you put out a sim that was just 1965 Formula One cars, you would find that not the case because, of course, you would uh, have no other sim comparing to compare to. So you can say, well. Somebody could say, oh, well, the physics are a bit dodgy when you do this, and you go, well, no, that's just how these cars handled, I'm afraid, you know. Whereas if you go GT3, you're putting yourself in direct competition, directly comparing comparing the physics implementation you have against every other sim that's already out there, and um, it, it can expose you. Yeah, I totally agree with that i mean if you look at uh, like when i was seeing if um, if there'd been any other youtube coverage on the ren sport and r factor 2 thing today like i i you know searched that on youtube and everything that that came up really except from two two videos was a comparison between ren sport and r factor 2 yeah. um you know so it, it uh, it's i can't imagine where people are doing that yeah i mean i i i, I kind of you know, because I've said in previous podcasts and, and, and things, like I, I would quite happily never put a GT3 into a sim that I was in control of in any way at all. Um, you know, I'd, I would much rather have, you know, kind of lower downforce um, vehicles, all, which means older vehicles, because obviously everything seems to be converging to this, you know, we, we have to have as much downforce as possible kind of um area but uh yeah it, it kind of um it's it's a little bit frustrating and but i understand it and it's always been this way like i i've read um you know kind of internal memos and things like that from you know sierra ex um, ex executives being you know kind of really worried about um certain types of simulations that papyrus wanted to make and you know kind of putting them off you know do doing these sims and then skipping doing them and and, and stuff um, and uh, yeah it's it's really always happened you know they've, they've, they've always gone for the safer option the the big risks of course such as Grand Prix legends and stuff like that you know you you look back and they didn't sell as well as anybody would have wanted them to so you know they obviously were a risk um, but yet they are still being played 25 years later yeah exactly but they only got paid once yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why you need a live service, right? Yep, and yeah. that's probably where that idea came from. Yeah, very high racing. So. Yeah. On on that subject, what what's the business model with Rensport? I've no idea. So I know it's in like closed beta now, but is it going to be like a paid product, a subscription service, a free to play? I've I genuinely have no idea. That's been relatively confusing to try to figure out. Um, you know when things were first announced I uh, felt that it was an EFT thing where because um, they still have the language on their website where it's talking about digital ownership of your cars and NFT. things like that yeah sorry yeah. Um, I, for some reason I have escaped from Tarkov in my head right there, <laughs> which is a first person shooter um, which I watch on Twitch a lot but um, anyway uh, yeah, so um, NFTs and, and um, you know, they still have that language on their website, even though they have come out and said that it's not an NFT game. Um, but, you know, I, I am on a lot of uh, like press 
kind of listings and, and stuff like that. So I constantly see kind of NFT games still being released um, where it's, as far as I can figure out, it's about just collecting the, the content that is in this game. It's like, you know, you get our game and then you can collect all of these things and it's only this amount of money. Um, and uh, that's what I thought it was when it first came out and they have come out and directly answered that and said that it's not going to be but they haven't really put out an answer of what it is mm. and uh, yeah it's just it's, still a bit confusing because you know like the Dota and <coughs> um, Fortnite and the, those things they're free to play but make insane amounts of money from basically in-game purchases but they've got player bases that are far bigger than Run sport is ever going to have. Um, so obviously, I racing is working. I've no idea about their kind of profit lines and stuff, but they've been going. They're still going. Foreseeably, carry on going. And yes, they've got deep pockets behind them, but it's not a charity. You know, they've obviously found something that works. Or you have your one-off purchases. But if you're creating this thing as an esport platform you need to either make a load of money up front by selling this thing or you need to have some ongoing income and I'm just not sure how that works maybe raise entry fees that'll go down well yeah yeah. I mean that, this is the thing that is a little bit you know kind of confusing it, it, is that it doesn't seem yet to be a you know a defined product or they haven't publicly released what their overall design is going to be um, but they have said like you know that they're going to have um, all of these things, including modding and and uh, and stuff like that, and I just I, I can't help but feel that there would have been nothing wrong with just being an e an esports platform. You know, like if that's your thing, like why why would you not um, kind of just go with that and you know have have people that that want to give themselves a shot, like really go in there and just basically you know sell sponsorships sell like have have an entry fee have you know everybody that wants to take a shot um actually take a shot and you know give it that clear direction because like right now it doesn't feel like it's got a clear direction because it's going to be esports and it's going to be offline it's going to be online it's going to be uh, modding it's 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 going to be every single sim that has ever existed and it just seems that, like with the pace of development and um, and everything, I just I have had doubts basically from from the beginning, and I and they've only got stronger, and it just I, I don't see it. If you want to if you want to form up a sim racing product that is basically mirroring some in, to some extent real world motorsport, then you're working on the basis of you know like probably relatively with lower outright costs, but like you know a car isn't going to cost literally a hundred thousand pounds, but you work on the basis that people have to put some money in and it isn't until you reach a certain point in the meritocracy where you will start getting money out or, or reasonable money out of it. Um, and so, you know, you could work on that basis. But I think if you're going to do that, you need to mirror the professionalism of real-world motorsport. You need to have live stewarding. You need to have races yeah. being properly organised events and not zero consequence as well well the thing that i think this is where it becomes kind of interesting though so if you think about reality 
you know, if you're talking at grassroots level, club sport level, then you're putting money in. If you're lucky, some sponsorship and prize money helps cover a set of tires here and there and stuff. But you're basically sticking money in and you're not getting anything back. Right. It's and it's like any sport. It's only when you get to the very top top levels that you're actually a professional in the true sense. And then at the very very elite level, you know, you're really making significant money from it. But the thing is, at those levels, but doesn't that, doesn't that sound like a lot of the design around micro micro transaction based mobile games and things like that? You know, that's a very similar design. You you get nothing back at the beginning. You put a lot in. Uh, no, in theory, the, you're getting enjoyment out of it, right? But like, you know, if you then become really, really good at this, then you might get something back from it. Yeah, but the thing is, if you take Fortnite and let's say it's got I don't know half a billion players or something, which is completely booked out of thin air, but it wouldn't surprise me if it's not a million miles away. They've got a lot of people will never have stuck a single penny into that, and then you'll have a load of people who've put a few pounds or dollars here and there in and then you'll have some people who've stuck silly amounts in and only a relatively small number of people actually get anything back but they're not there's not a high barrier to entry there you don't have to stick 200 dollars into buying an outfit and everything else you can spend that if you want or you've stolen your mum's credit card or whatever else so like so for that to be the business model for say an esports sim title though you've got to have the player base to make that work um, and you know I, I, Tim going back to your question of like why didn't they just make it an esports title I guess the thing is you, you think back to you look at how many sim titles are made it's relatively not very many and then how many are actually successful even less still you know the idea of how oh, we're going to develop this and it's going to be successful as an esports title to me seems like a real long odds kind of gamble so I can understand why they maybe try and hedge their bets and spread it around and maybe the flip side of that is that it is a slightly muddied strategy or title and who knows whether there is a clear vision or whether it's constantly evolving I've no idea but then to be honest I've not bothered to try and find out I'm just waiting to ask you for the answers instead yeah I, I think from from my perspective it, you know if I was doing like a game design I would want to be able to support leagues I'd want to be able to support bro broadcasting and then essentially whatever anybody does with that is up to them if someone else wants to wants to get a sponsor and you know kind of figure things out that's 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 their problem I would just want to have the basics in there to support leagues effectively and then that gives you the ability to have an esports event and um, but I wouldn't Put like a massive amount of time into, you know, esports and figuring that out um, because I honestly don't think it works as well for sim racing as other platforms. Okay. Well, I think we've grumbled on about this long enough now. Um, we'll uh, let's call it a day. Um, how can people get in touch with you, Tim, on Race Sim Central? Get in touch with us, rather. On Racing Central. Well, I'm on uh, most, uh, I won't say every social media platform because Simon corrected me on that last time. <laughs> but um, I'm on most social media platforms as Race Sim Central, all one word. And um, yeah, you can check out the website at racesimcentral.net and uh, yeah, just 
seeks me out. Obviously, the website to go to for breaking news in the sim racing industry. <laughs> okay, well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.